0: What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the raw, real and vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. Fam, that is two weekends of the bridge experience and extreme leadership in the Gold Coast complete. I feel so fulfilled, so proud, so inspired, so activated, so turned on by life, so fucking alive. If you ever... Get the opportunity to get yourself into rooms with humans just like these ones. It will change your fucking life. For me, my biggest takeaway whenever I enter these spaces is reminding myself of my power and how much I know I'm truly capable. Nothing feels impossible when I'm in community with like-minded humans who have got my back, who are working on themselves, who are driving, who are striving, who are achieving, who are creating. Just, I leave these rooms feeling relentless and so empowered. I hope you have been following along with my Instagram story because I have been sharing so much behind the scenes goodness. But today, fam, I have an incredible guest for you. Her name is Emily Todd. She speaks powerfully into burnout recovery. And this conversation is not only applicable for any woman who identifies with burnout, but just any woman in general who feels like she has taken a misaligned path and is feeling tired, over it, uninspired, is lacking creativity, exhausted. And we go through so many different parts of Emily's signature modality and we actually both truly share very authentically, vulnerably and genuinely about our own personal experiences with our life purposes and how they stem back to our father's and the desire to attain our parents, specifically our dad's approval. So no matter who you are and whether you resonate with the conversation around burnout or not, I know so many of us will resonate with the conversation around misalignment. Big generalization, but I'm assuming if you're tuning in to me, my podcast, what I talk about, you're desiring to live a life that is lit up, aligned, on fire, so that you truly feel like you are on your purpose. So if that resonates, I know you're going to fucking love what we dive into today. If you love this episode, please screenshot it, share it to your story, tag myself and tag the beautiful Emily because she will be so excited to connect with you. Strap yourself in, fam. Let's fucking go. I am sitting with one of my favorite humans on the planet. Her name is Emily Todd, and it is such a fucking honor to have you here with me on Royal, Royal and Vulnerable today. Welcome. Thank
1: you, back. I am so, so excited to be here. <laughs> to I love the things.
0: You know, when you know someone so well, and then you're sitting there trying to record a podcast, I'm sitting here trying to record a podcast. I'm like, Don't fuck it up, Beck. And remember, we're here to like deliver some serious value. Can't sit here and just play with Emily the entire time. Make it about everyone else.
1: We're just here to play and enjoy and have a cool conversation. And we've known each other a few years. So I'm so looking forward to this.
0: Oh, me too. So today we're going to dive into all things burnout and ego-driven hustle and the woman really fucking going for it and getting her to a place that maybe doesn't feel as good as what she thought that hustle would create for her. Why is that so important to you? Burnout, hustle, grinding, supporting women to come back to their pleasure. Why do you love this conversation? I love this
1: conversation because that woman was me for the majority of my career. I I entered the nine to five world in tech and startups and hustle and grind where burnout was absolutely worn as a badge of honor. And I was very burnt out for a lot of my career and went through different kind of phases and manifestations of burnout and never found anything actually fucking helpful because <laughs> everyone just said, right, just take more vacation, just schedule more me time, just meditate more, just do more yoga, just, and it will all be fine. And, and I'd feel better, you know, for a few weeks. And then I would reliably be back in the same situation again. And then when I left the nine to five world and the hustle and grind, I was like, this is so amazing. I'm going to have time for it. I'm not going to be burnt out. And then I Notice the same patterns coming up and burnout happening for me, even as I started launching my own consulting business. And then when I was started coaching women, I started to see women that were so, so burnt out and, you know, were doing all the things and trying all the solutions and it wasn't working. And so I was like, fuck this. Like, this is bullshit. This is everywhere. Everyone's fucking saying they're burnt out. And I feel like when you are burnt out, you're really out of your power. You're out of your freedom. You're out of choice because you're physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally completely just drained and dead. And you're so just like, oh, and you're so malleable. And you're just like, whatever. I don't care. Like, do what you want. I don't have an opinion. And I just, it robs us of our power. So I am very passionate about it. Mm. And so you can hear why I love Emily, because of,
0: Big philosophy of mine is having women reclaim their personal power back from any single thing that we've handed it over to, which for some women that resonate with my conversation, it's stigma and shame and the sexual health conversation. For other women, it could be this kind of accolade that we're striving for at work and what we've ended up receiving is the burnout experience yeah. And you're here really saying that when we are burnt out, we've basically handed over our power and we're losing all of our own internal freedom. Yes. I love that. So I'm curious, this conversation around burnout, how would a woman know? Because it's become quite a buzzword online. i I'm, like, <laughs> I'm burnt out, I'm burnt out, I'm burnt out. Lots of women will come to me and say, I'm experiencing burnout. And I know that they're not fully lit the fuck up by life but I personally wouldn't diagnose it as burnout. So if a woman was interested in this conversation, how would she know that she's experiencing um, some kind of symptom of burnout?
1: Yes. And first of all, completely agree with you. It is a huge buzzword right now. It's everywhere. Everyone's saying "I'm burnt out. There's all these statistics. Burnout's record high because of COVID and everyone was at home. And so everyone's saying they're burnt out now. And in my opinion, there's actual burnout. Like truly you are burnt out. And then there's another, we'll talk talk more about it, but it's more like that general low level, like I'm misaligned, I'm meh, life just kind of sucks and I'm just exhausted by life. My soul's burnt out. So actual burnout is, it's debilitating. It affects you physically, obviously. You are exhausted, you have insomnia, you're extremely irritable. You feel like the situation in your job is just never gonna end. It's gonna be like this forever. You feel very hopeless. You're cynical, your productivity plunges, your creativity is almost non-existent. And so you can really see it like in your work performance as well. And just you're so irritable and you're just like, it's never going to change. And you go into that big victimhood of it's like everyone's fault. Life sucks. My boss sucks. My company sucks. And you just don't see a way out of it. And it can really manifest for a lot of women physically, like beyond the insomnia and exhaustion. I've seen a lot of women have like excruciating migraines and gut problems because it's just that it's like a true burning out of your system. But I think what we have talked about is a lot of us are saying we are burnt out, but we're not quite at that level we might be doing a lot of things. But I think genuine, true burnout is you can't miss it.
0: (laughs) Debilitating. I feel like that one really stood out for me for the women that come to me and say that they're burnt out. They may be the other side where they're overworked, overperforming, stressed, misaligned, but not complete debilitating burnout where losing my hair, lacking creativity, not being able to sleep, feeling like it's never ending, feeling like there is no end point to what I'm striving for at the moment and no point
1: to what I'm even striving for either. Yeah, it's like true helplessness. And it's hard, I think, when you are experiencing burnout to even ask for support. Like uh, This has been my experience in working with burnt out women. There's just like, well, how can you help me? This is just how it is. You know, this yeah. is just how life is. If you're going to be a successful woman, this is the norm. you got to work like this. you got to hustle like this. And it's going to be like this forever. Out
0: of curiosity, because I know how successful you were in corporate, where do you feel that came from? This driving women to the fucking ground, working so hard, giving up. I know that you're a very big advocate for women and women's pleasure and bringing (laughs) women back into their pleasure. So at what point did we decide, you know what, fuck all the good things in life, like enjoying it, being in our pleasure, feeling liberated, and let's just fucking hustle ourselves into the ground to the point that I feel a permanent state of hopelessness. How did that come about for us?
1: I think it's not isolated just to women. I think it's a global obsession with... Hustle and personal productivity and climbing the ladder. And I think we have been sold, at least I was since I was a kid, that if you hustle and you grind and you get the position and the office and the salary and the car and the house and the closet, you will be happy. And so we have been hustling and grinding to get these things because we were sold the idea that is what happiness is. And then we reach for me and for many women I know, it's around age 30, 31 and you're like, I've been fucking doing this for a decade and I'm not happy. And so then you're like, well, I guess I should just work harder. And so you keep going, like looking for that thing, looking for that happiness. And I think so many of us, because we're brought up in hustle culture and to believe that our worth is defined by our achievements, by our output, by making mommy and daddy proud, by you know doing better than everyone from our college and our LinkedIn updates and I think a lot of it is our programming, our upbringing, and just tying our worth in something outside of ourselves. And then having the empirical experience of it not actually bringing us happiness, but instead of questioning that logic, we just keep looking, looking for it. So it's like this cycle that never ends. I mean, there's so many of us right now that are waking up and snapping out of it. And they're like, there is more to life than this. Like, I'm not going to keep living like this. But it has been the norm, at least for my entire experience. I was in tech and startups for almost 15 years and it was glamorized. It was like, oh, you're so exhausted. Wow, you're such a hard worker. You know, I would get accolades for sending emails at two in the morning and being online so late at night and working weekends. And I was like, yes, I resonate so deeply with this conversation,
0: especially the programming and the conditioning piece. And I guess I would question, is it powerful for the woman to really ask where it's come from? Like mine was the realization that from age five, I told my father I was going to be a lawyer. I think every child tells the parents, you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or a firefighter, or a police officer, or a nurse. One of those five things. I decided law. I don't know how a five-year-old child thinks they're going to be a fucking lawyer. We don't know this about you. I love this. I got into law school. So literally, I promised my father at age 16, we're doing like TR, which is your high school finals. And I promised I would get a certain mark that would get me into law. And he promised me that if I got that mark, I would get a brand new car and that would be my reward for working so hard. I got 0.3 off that. So that story has played out everywhere in my life of getting 0.3 off good enough, trying so hard and not actually getting the result. And my dad reminded me, I've said this in many podcasts prior, that my dad reminded me for 10 years, you got 0.3 off good enough. You got 0.3 off getting in. Even though I still got into law, I I got in and I was like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> I am not a lawyer. I'm like, maybe. baby. <laughs> but when I've asked myself about where this conditioning to like work and strive and have three jobs and try and start a business and always be trying to get and reach to something, I was like, where the fuck did that come from? And I mm. realized this is so conditioned in who I am as a little girl and a teenager that that's why it's taking years and years and years to break away from it because it's in my DNA. It's yeah. something that my parents have said to me for years. And so I just wanted to put that in there. So I know that you said a woman experiencing burnout, she's like, you can't even help me. So how would she find you? And how will she break through this barrier of not even wanting to ask for help to be able to say, hey, I am fucked right now. I feel helpless and hopeless right now. I need help right now. I'm fearful of asking. You've got the solution for me. How does she move through that wall and actually reach out to Emily and say, I actually
1: need what you've got? I mean, it's tough. It's tough because like you said, you have to start questioning the kind of foundation that you've built your life on. Right. And I really resonate with what you shared, by the way. I grew up in the same way. My dad was very like there would be a spreadsheet with my grades and I would get like a certain like weighted value system, like because math and science are the most important because that's how you got the big money and I realized, long story, but I realized the majority of my career, I was really just trying to make my dad proud. My my entire life, I've always
0: wanted my boyfriends just to say, I'm proud of you. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And my ex from 10 years ago, all I wanted was him to say, I'm really proud of you, Beck. And I realized, and Jake says it to me all the time, like Jake finally fucking says the thing that I've been craving for a man to say to me. I'm like, this is my dad's stuff playing out in my
1: relationship. Yeah. yeah. wild. Remember the moment where I realized what I was doing, looking for my dad's approval. Like I, you know, every time I got a promotion, I would call my dad, be like, I'm making this much money now. And I'm managing this many people. And he would be like, okay, great. And then when I got like the big kahuna and I got like the big, big promotion, and I was managing 20 people. I was making more money than I ever thought I would make. I called him and I was like, I have you seen this. And he was like, that's great. It, I, that's awesome. And I was like, oh wait, he, he doesn't really care that much. Like he just wants me to be fucking happy. Mm-hmm. I've
0: my head. This is such a good conversation though, by the way, because I love the acknowledgement of the little girl who's, who's striving for her dad's approval and getting that clarity that like, you and I have the awareness and we've invested in so much work to know this about ourselves. And I've shared this on my podcast in the past as well. I didn't speak to my dad for years when I was like, I know I need to start a business. And he was so terrified when I left my corporate job, my corporate career. And that was six figure salary, car, phone, all the things. When I quit, I was miserable. I was so miserable. I gained weight. I was unhappy. I wasn't exercising, wasn't doing the things I loved. I was stressed. I was sending emails at fucking 2am in the morning. I was calling my mom when it was new cafe launches and my mom was coming to the office at midnight to try and help me. I was just like, I felt like I was absolutely drowning. And when I left, I told dad, don't talk to me while I go and work on my dreams because I don't need someone to put their fears into my mind. Once my coaching business took off, he walked past my house because my parents' house was like five minutes away from my beach house. And you're always on your Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. Love my independence, but also love that they're five minutes away so I can come around for food when I need it. But literally, Emily... I felt this little girl energy in me that saw my dad walk past. At this stage, I was making money. My business was working. Everything that I'd kind of said my entire life had finally landed. And I felt this little girl energy run down the street to be like, dad, I'm doing well for myself. And it wasn't the adult. I could feel that wasn't an adult. It was little girl inside of me. And my dad was like, great. I just like want you to be safe and happy and have a roof over your head.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that story. I really resonate with that because yeah, I just had that, that aha moment where I'm like, he doesn't care. Mm. He loves me. No, like he actually is one of those. I know there are parents that really do place so much of their approval on their children on what they're achieving. But my at that moment, I'm like, he just fucking loves me. He just wants me to be happy. And it, it was all me trying to prove something to him all this time. And So I think for me, that was the beginning of the unraveling. And I ended up leaving the nine to five world pretty soon after that. But (laughs) your original question was, how does someone begin to ask for support? Yeah, like if a woman has listened to our
0: story right now and she's like, oh, my God, she said about asking for support, said the hopelessness piece. They both talked about the approval from their father piece. I'm now resonating with Beck and Emily. It's the two of them. Now there's three of us, like maybe I'm more like them that, and I'm not alone in how I'm thinking and feeling and how I'm showing up to my work or my business or my company or whatever it is that that woman is doing. And she's having this kind of like, oh, I am doing this for the exchange of what my parents think. And I'm totally burnt out or I'm misaligned and uninspired. And I hate asking for help. I don't know why it feels like weakness or I feel
1: terrified to do it. Now what does she do? Well, which is part of what we're burning out to begin with, right? Because we're so fucking independent. We're like, I don't want anyone to help me. I'm not going to... No, you can't do it right. I'm going to do it all on my own. <laughs> but it's having that awareness that what you are doing is not working anymore. And oftentimes it comes with a breakdown moment where there's some sort of implosion where you just... Like I've had women come to me and they're like, I actually need your help because I got feedback from my boss. They can see that I am burnt out because my productivity is going down. I'm irritable. I am not engaged. I am not creative anymore. I am not being a good manager. So often it is in that moment where it's like I was shoved in your face or you have a health crisis or your hair is falling out. Or your boss is like, what is wrong with you? But if you are able to cultivate that awareness like reach out to someone reach out to a coach reach out to a therapist reach out to someone that can support you through it because it really it's getting out of burnout like the true genuine burnout we're talking about is not an overnight process because these are hard wired patterns that we're running off of that take a lot of awareness and loving on and catching and making a different choice over and over again to get out of them because we're dealing with these archetypes right of like the hustler, the hyperachiever, the perfectionist, the people pleaser, the good girl, the controller, and all of these archetypes we've been acting on our whole lives. They contributed to our success. They are part of why we have achieved our success because we do really good work, right? The perfectionist. We are always like looking for the next thing to achieve. The hyperachiever. We take care of the people around us, which can manifest as the people pleaser. So all of these archetypes is like starting to notice them and starting to make different choices and starting to reevaluate how you're managing your stress. Like I remember for me, I was like, I'm so burnt out. let me have a bottle of wine. And like recognizing that those sorts of choices all that drive you deeper into burnout. And it's also starting to recognize like, because this is another thing I always say about burnout. Even in the most extreme cases, it's often not purely a case of doing too much. It's doing little of what truly lights you up and sets your soul on fire and brings you pleasure. So it's also starting to like really intentionally look at, how am I spending my time? how have I spend my time on nights and weekends and often it's fucking scrolling and netflixing and online shopping and drinking the wine and swiping away and like getting these really cheap quick dopamine hits that don't actually light us up and so it's really like what do I enjoy doing what actually raises my energy what actually makes me feel good and recharges my battery and fills my cup versus just like you know this <laughs> the shit we're all doing on our phones <laughs> Sydney babes,
0: are you ready for your breakthrough? March 19th, I am bringing my signature in-person work to town for a limiting belief breakthrough three-hour in-person event not to be missed. Get into your body, break free from your limiting beliefs, feel your way through three experiential and life-changing hours with me and my incredible support team, and powerfully claim the woman you were brought here to be. This is not just another mindset workshop because I could simply just recommend you a book to read instead. This work is true embodiment. Head to the link in my show notes and get your ticket today. Absolutely. fucking wiggly. And do you know what I liked before you went into archetypes? You spoke about it being not a quick fix and a slow process. And that can even be hard for, and I'm just going to speak for myself, that can be a hard concept to wrap around like, oh, I'm unhappy right now. I'm experiencing burnout, whether it's debilitating or misaligned burnout, where I'm just not lit up by what I'm doing, uninspired by life and just feeling like I'm passing time, but not really intentionally living my days. And the thought of the next steps being a slow process for the high, the high achievers kind of like Emily on this podcast, after I've listened to it for 40 minutes today. I want to be fucking healed. Give me my next three steps that I get to take so that I can be on the other side of this motherfucker. And why do you feel like that could be detrimental and how would the high achiever and the woman like, I can be quite like, let's fucking fix it. What's the problem? And let's find the fix for it. How would you get a woman to wrap her mind around that this is going to be a slow, nourishing, but ultimately rewarding burn in the long run? And there isn't kind of like a quick rip of a band aid to fix the burnout.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a really good question. And I think, first of all, I think the reason why so many people are deeply actually burnt out is because they've been going for the quick fixes and the band-aids because that's the culture we live in. We want to hack it. We want that. It has to be fixed now. What is the one thing. And that's why... Nothing is changing because we keep reaching for the band aid and burnout. I always say this it's a slow burn. (laughs) You don't wake up one day magically burnt out. Burnout happens over a extended period of time where you make choices repeatedly that drive your burnout. And so then getting out of it in a sustainable way. Yes, if you want to feel not burnt out right here in this moment, go on a vacation. Yes, you will feel. Better, you know, set some email notifications. So you don't answer emails after 5 p.m. And you don't answer Slack on the weekends. All that, great. You'll feel better for a moment. But like, it's this deep pattern. And something that happens, again, over a long period of time, takes some time to pull up the strings and unravel. And people don't like hearing this, but I always say this too. It's like, it's no one's fault, but your own. Because it's interesting. It's not your boss's fault. It's not. Your company's fault. It's not your lazy coworkers. I'm sure they're lazy, and I'm sure your boss sucks, and I'm sure your company culture is fucked. And yeah, the economy's fucked. But it's these choices we continue to make over time that lead to it, right? Also, it's this disconnection from your intuition when you get into that place of burnout because you know, like there are signs, right? That this SOS. This is not good. This is not working. Like I don't feel good, or this is a crossing my boundary, or this feels wrong, or I. Oh, I really don't want to do that but I'm going to say yes, and so it's also reconnecting with that internal guidance system, which takes some time and doesn't happen i but like I view it when I speak to women about working together it's it's like coming into the doctor's office for burnout. We will take care of the burnout, but it's like what's lying beneath the surface of it if you want to like maintain this and you don't fall into this again, like we got to do some of the inner work and it's fun like full work, I always say that, but Diving it what's really underneath it. And do you know what I loved about
0: what you said there? You said it's about getting out of it sustainably. Like, yes, of course. If you're feeling fucking shit right now, you can turn off all your notifications. You can throw your mobile phone in the fucking ocean for two weeks and go to Bali And drink cocktails and lie in a hammock and read a book and you'll feel relaxed for two weeks that might feel really lovely but eventually you're going to come back to life eventually you're going to go buy another iphone and eventually all those habits and patterns are going to come back in it almost i love to use all the fuck ups i made in my disordered eating and my dieting in my 20s and apply that to life now and it also reminds me of like how i got out of my relationship with food i was always reaching for a diet Like, oh my God, I'm not happy with where my body is right now. So I'm going to do something for six weeks or 12 weeks, rip it, get out of it. And like, maybe temporarily my body looked the way that I wanted it to, but I'd always end up back worse than what I was before because it was never, ever a sustainable approach. And I never looked at, I just thought it was food in my body and fitness. Like they're the three things. And if I focus there, no fucking problem. But underneath it was the core wounds, the rejection piece, the abandonment by women, the not feeling good enough. And when I looked at that, that's where my sustainable healing came. And it sounds very, very similar to Ben. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And it's like, yeah, there's like the yo-yo dieting. And then there's like the yo-yo approach to burnout recovery where you're just like taking the vacation or you're buying the thing or you're having a spa day. But it's so deep-rooted. And people have this experience, right? And I had this experience because I was like, it's my boss's fault I'm burnt out. Let me switch jobs. That will fix it. And then I would be burnt out again. Or like, let me go work for myself. That will solve it. And then I was burnt out again because that's when I really had the aha moment of, oh, these patterns are within me until I look at those and understand yeah, my upbringing and this definition of success I have and how I'm outsourcing my self-worth and how I fear saying no. And I want to make everything perfect. And oh, in my free time, I shouldn't be actually enjoying myself. I should be spending my free time checking off items on my to-do list and seeing people I don't want to see and going places I don't want to go, huge driver of burnout, how we spend our free time. That was when I was like, okay, it's my problem. (laughs) I'm driving this. So it's a really tough conversation to have because no one wants to hear that. And again, when you're burnout, you're cynical, you're irritable, it's their fault. And so (laughs) when you truly are able to get control of burnout and pull yourself out of it in a sustainable way. It's like taking fucking radical responsibility for your choices. And like, we talk about the drama triangle a lot, right? In our world. And it's like getting out of the victim role and more into the creator role and widening your lens of what choices you have in that moment with your boss, with your coworkers, with whatever it is, with how you spend your free time. Because you're running on these loops and this is just how you go. And it's like, no, we can, you can break that loop. It's uncomfortable work to start having these conversations at work or reevaluating how you spend your time or how you manage stress. But also, it's powerful the radical responsibility piece. I love because
0: even if a woman is listening to this and she's like, mm, I don't really identify with burnout yet, this conversation is so relevant to me. It could be any part of your life that you're dissatisfied with. Or even, you know, Jake and I have been going through a lot of relationship stuff right now and it's so internally easy to grasp that victim and point and be like, it's because of him that I'm not experiencing this and it's his fault and it's men's fault and it's my ex-boyfriend's fault. And it's like, oh, I can hear, I often catch myself doing it. I'm literally handing, I know that you said it's handing our power over to burnout. It's handing our power over to whatever the thing is. And what I'm hearing is one of the first steps of, sustainable movement out of whatever it is the experience is for you is that radical responsibility piece it's not my job's fault it's not money's fault it's not my boyfriend's fault my dad's fault the company's fault my shit boss's fault <laughs> like radical fucking responsibility
1: yeah. and in all of that it's likely true right your boss probably sucks like, like nobody probably sucks yeah. your coworkers are probably really lazy but it's understanding like and starting to take off the blinders and see the choice you have in every situation and it's scary to start making different choices and just start acting differently at work. And I know this may be a tangent, but when I work with burnout women, often they're like, but I can't say no to working on Saturday, Sunday, or I can't not answer the email because I've always done that. And I'm known as the go-to girl that gets shit done. And that's become this mask. They're this personality that they're known for. And so they're lugging this around and they're like, this is who I am. And their boss is like, you're going to get this done by Sunday morning, right? And you're like, yeah, because that's how it's always been. And that's how you achieve the success you have now. And so it's really scary to start breaking free from that because you're like, well, what will happen? Will I be fired? (laughs) Well,
0: you know what? I love this conversation piece. and You know how important boundaries are to me. And that conversation being something that I have with my clients and my audience frequently, had a new client who's been working with me and we've been really working on her boundaries. She's got an incredible job. She's paid amazingly. She loves it. And she's recently had three experiences where work kept her 20 to 40 minutes longer than what she was committed to. And it put her out three times in a row. She had different commitments after work and it, it interrupted her personal life. Yeah. Some women would just be like, it's only three times. It's only 20 to 40 minutes. And she was like, no, fuck no if I had been set up in advance saying you're going to work an extra 20 to 40 minutes on these particular days, I would have managed that. So she actually brought it to them, walked into the office and said, I need to have a conversation with you about things that have happened that aren't okay with me. I'm okay to work later, but what needs to happen is I need to be preempted so that I can organize my personal life outside of work. And they're like, but it was only 20 or 40 minutes. She said, no, no, no but that's not the point. This is what I need to receive from you. And they were like, we're so sorry that that happened. We really respect your time, your boundaries. Thank you for being willing to work longer, but we understand that we need to preempt you in advance. And she's like, walked out there, all empowered. And all, and I was like, fucking woman, go. For it. Because so many of us would just be like, oh no, it was only three times. And then three times becomes 30 times. And then 20 <laughs> minutes becomes two hours. And then we become resentful and cynical and mad. And we're answering emails on a fucking Sunday. Mm-hmm. And you said how we spend our free time really matters. So it's like, Oh my god, if I just the third time around said, "Hey, that's not okay by me." I was actually in the place to be the person that could have changed the trajectory of fucking everything. Yeah. First of all, she's a fucking badass.
1: I love it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've been with clients preparing them to have those kinds of conversations with their bosses and they're so scared. Like, "Well, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? How are they going to react? What is this going to mean for my career?" So there's this belief, too, that when and there are obviously toxic cultures where that is happening. But there's this belief that if I say I have a life outside of work, that is going to not be good for my career. But it's interesting because when I push my clients to have that conversation and set the boundary, they're like, oh, She's <laughs> like, nothing bad happened. And so it's so beautiful to have that experience. And you might go into the meeting and be like, oh, my God, sorry, your heart is racing. But then afterwards, you're like, oh, and then you get that momentum, right? And then you go and you set another boundary, you set another boundary, and then you start to reclaim some of your time. And that's always, to me, if you are in a true state of burnout, one of the first things you want to look at is your boundaries. And it's not easy after a lifetime of saying, yes, no problem,
0: get it done, Oh. I love that so much. And I do believe that company culture is changing. Even one of my other clients since working with me, she's like, I'm obsessed with personal development now. And she booked a three day in person workshop immersion. And she told her boss, because she asked for annual leave, and her boss said, Oh, no, I won't deduct that off your annual leave. You'll just get paid for that life normal because you're now even more of an asset to our company because you're investing in yourself to upskill and up level. So I think what the beautiful awareness piece of that is, is if we don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. <laughs> yeah, that's- it's not correct for us to assume. And maybe we all get to align with companies, bosses, cultures that really align with our own personal values as well. So we can have those courageous conversations. And even if the boss is like, look, I can't fully meet you there, but let's have a conversation so that we can make sure that both of us are happy and both of us are winning in this relationship.
1: Because if one's losing, both are losing. I know. I totally agree. It is starting to shift big time. But again, it's like, like you said, if we're not going to ask for what we desire and what we need to thrive in the office and the culture, like the answer will always be no. And it's intimidating for a lot of us. I remember even for myself, because that was my brand in the office. I was like, always getting it all done at all times and whatever you need at all hours. So when I started to set the boundary, I was like, oh, what's going to happen to me? Ooh. but then you learn it's okay right and i feel you big time
0: on that so emily i know that you have a unique multi-layered approach to healing sustainably from burnout yeah.
1: yes i do back
0: <laughs> are you open to just some touch points Yes. on what each one of those would be so that women who are really resonating with us right now are like, okay, I don't need a yo-yo approach. I get it that I need to get out of it sustainably. This didn't just happen overnight. This is patterns over a long period of time. Radical responsibility, actually, yeah, it is me. I haven't had the conversations. I have said yes when I really meant no. You've spoken about the internal guidance system, the radical responsibility, the disconnection from your intuition and boundaries being the first place that we start. So share with us some touch points on each pillar and how we could go about them if you're open. Oh,
1: I would love to discuss it. Like I said, I always start with boundaries and where your energy is going. So we will always do a boundary audit of like, where are you saying yes? Where you want to say no? Who are you feeling resentful towards? Who are you feeling taken advantage by? And starting to have those conversations like little by little. And the first one's always scary, but the more you do it, you're like, okay, I got to hang of this boundary thing. And your energy, like actually looking at where your time is going th- like throughout the week and is what you're doing draining in your free time or is it adding to your energy? So like an energy on it. Just like this is, I get to be, this is like the first few weeks when I'm working with someone. We'll do some boundaries, some energy, but then we get into the real juice. And for me, the real juice is absolutely in the pleasure pillar and the mindsets, I call the mindset saboteurs pillar, which is like the people plays with their perfections, the hyperachiever, all that. But I want to talk about pleasure because it's just very alive and active on my heart.
0: Oh, my sweet Go for it. Let's talk about pleasure all day fucking long. Yes, Beck. Let's talk
1: about pleasure. So I said this earlier, but it often is when you are burnt out. Of course, there is the burnt out one that is clinically burnt out and miserable. But a lot of people that come to me and say they're burnt out, it really is because they're doing too little of what they love and what really turns them on. And their free time is spent blowing through their to-do list, obsessing over personal productivity and productivity hacking every area of their lives, going places they don't want to go, going to events they should go to, seeing people they should see, reading books they should read, listening to podcasts they should listen to because They heard it was a good podcast or was supposed to be a good book, but they've been reading the book for six months because they fucking hate it. So it's like actually starting to understand what turns you on, what really lights you up and starting to add more of that to your life. Because when we are filling up purely on the dopamine, the low grade dopamine hits, like we said, of the phone and Netflix and shopping and wine, we're not actually experiencing pleasure. And aliveness, that feeling of aliveness we're all looking for. And so for me, pleasure is so foundational to getting out of burnout and just to life in general, because for me, pleasure is this, it's a sensory experience, right? You can access it with your five senses. And so it's like this portal to getting out of your head where the majority of our problems are like, let's be honest, and in your body and into the present moment. And it's so interesting because when I start working with a lot of women, I'm like, what brings you pleasure? What brings you joy? What turns you on? They're like, I don't know, because we forget it because we don't actually ask ourselves that question anymore. It's just like, what errands do I have to run? What is the to-do list for this week? What event do I have to go to this weekend? Instead of what do I fucking want to do? What turns me on? I love this conversation so much because
0: even my biggest month in business, I thought that it would be the most exciting moment of my whole life. And I was like, well, I don't really feel any differently. (laughs) And it's because the number doesn't really mean anything and the number doesn't bring me pleasure and aliveness. On the same day, I went to the beach with my sister and played catch with Kobe, my nephew and her little dog. And I was like, I had my biggest month in business and the thing that I loved the most that day was literally playing catch on the beach at sunset with my sister and her dog. And I think I'm missing the fucking point. And no wonder so many of us are feeling like we're lackluster and not alive on the inside and not embodying any sense of pleasure because we're striving for these things that we think will bring us pleasure. And then we strive for the thing, get the thing. We're like, it was actually quite meaningless to me. Yes,
1: exactly, Beck. We are running and climbing towards these big, beautiful goals and dreams and aspirations. We need those as humans, but we have this expectation that we are going to feel a certain way. When we get there and we get there and we're like, this is human nature. What's the next mountaintop? What's the next thing I can achieve and acquire? And I'm a big believer if we cannot enjoy this moment right now, we're not going to enjoy the mountaintop. We're not going to enjoy the goal being fulfilled. And we all know this to be true, that when you hit the goal, even if you do feel like, "Whoa, like so amazing, it's very ephemeral. It's fleeting. And so it's like to me, cultivating a relationship with pleasure is cultivating a relationship with life and with yourself, because it's really starting to understand your unique codes for feeling good and feeling alive. And often, what really brings us alive doesn't make logical sense and it's not productive. And so much of our free time is spent being productive. And I got to meditate because. You know, that's supposed to quiet my mind. I fucking hate it, but I do it anyway. I'm supposed to do yoga because that's supposed to be the thing. And I'm supposed to like, my butt's going to be great. But it's like, what do you actually love? And so something I do with women when we first started is it's like, make a list, make a list, make a list, make a list of 20 things that you love and that turn you on. And it's like, it's hard at first. They're so used to Well, the pleasure is in, it's when I get that thing or... Isn't it like the bag or the fancy cocktail? But I'm lover of all those things. But it's really cultivating a relationship with being able to access pleasure and aliveness no matter what's happening in the external world. Because when we're outsourcing that ability to feel alive to our achievements, like we're yo-yoing all over the place. And so I feel like when we know what brings us into the present moment and what makes us feel good, I feel like that is a reclamation of your power because you know how to make yourself feel good you know what your codes are versus a, this needs to happen in order for me to feel good and so that's a game changer
0: and what i'm hearing is almost a permission piece of some of us be like once i hit that goal then then i will allow myself to experience that then i will give myself the weekend then i will have a trip away then i'll go adventuring or exploring versus if I'm allowed to experience this now and through the embodiment of that presence being in my body and allowing myself to access that internal aliveness and pleasure from within, I create more and then when the results, the achievements come, I'm more present to them because I've enjoyed the journey versus feeling like I sacrificed my entire life for the exchange of it and it only lasting momentarily anyway, having my little holiday and then going straight back to the hustle and the grind.
1: Yes. So I heard someone say this once and it really landed for me of the culture we live in now is very much when I do good, I'll feel good. So when I do accomplish, achieve, I'll feel amazing. Versus like understanding that when you feel good, you do good. Because when you're living in pleasure and enjoy, you're actually way more productive because you're in this frequency of just like so elevated and you're so much more productive and creative and alive and aligned and you get more shit done. When you're feeling good versus when you're feeling, we all know this to be true, burnt out, meh, overwhelmed, underslept, irritable. So it's like I always say to my women, it's like you get to prioritize pleasure with the same ferocity you approach your career because it will improve the quality of your work. And it will improve your performance. So like, hello, let's get on it. And they're like, wait, OK, so I don't like, yeah, putting your pleasure or your joy on layway, I'll reward myself when I do the thing. It's like, no, you get to do that now. The purpose, at least to me, of life is to fucking enjoy it. But it's also understanding that the quality of your work will improve. Your relationships will improve. Everything improves when you feel good. So it gets to be a priority. So that is my absolute favorite pillar to teach in Burnout Academy. A hey, fucking man.
0: Emily Todd, you're so amazing. I could keep talking to you about this forever. I feel like we can leave it there for that first three pillars because A, I think 45-minute podcasts are amazing and B, Mm. more pillars, but that's for another day. That is episode 2.0. Do you know what I really love about this is the three pillars that we've touched on are so relevant, whether we resonate with burnout, whether we just resonate with feeling unhappy and dissatisfied with what life currently looks like right now, and if it's just a woman that's saying, hey, I don't even feel that dissatisfied, but I know I'm not lit the fuck up and there's more for me. And this aliveness and pleasure that you speak of, it's really, it's exciting something within me because, yeah, I fucking deserve that. And I haven't really spent intentional time looking at it. And I feel that three pillar approach, boundary audit, energy audit, pleasure and aliveness, like getting really clear on what brings us pleasure, what supports us to feel alive on the inside, no matter what conversation piece you resonate with, that is going to profoundly impact your life for the better, for fucking ever, if all you did was look at those three aspects alone. Fuck yeah. Heck yeah mm. you're amazing emily todd i have one more question that i ask every single guest emily todd what does it mean to you to be real real and vulnerable in your own life mm.
1: i think it means for me to not hide anymore and to not hide the messiness of who i am <laughs> Because I, for so much of my life, and I still notice this piece of me coming online here and there, is <laughs> like that perfectionist. And so for me, it's really just like loving my messy bits and sharing them and honoring them and seeing the beauty in them and just letting, kind of just letting it all hang out. And I love doing that because that's when you meet the most amazing people. And that's when you have the most beautiful connections when you're like, this is my mess. What's yours? <laughs> Hello, I'm a human. and
0: I'm also fucked up. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I used to really play the perfection game and uh, we've talked a lot about this, but that's just like, that isn't relatable. That's not lovable. And when you're pretending to be someone you're not, you end up in you know, relationships and jobs and situations that aren't in alignment because they're in alignment with the mask and not who you really are. So this is who I am. It's weird. It's messy, but it's, it's, it's also
0: beautiful and sexy and life-changing and profound and smart and full of wisdom and goofy. Yeah. You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, back Emily, I have loved having you on the podcast today. I personally received so much value from it and I know that so many women will resonate with this conversation piece. I love how just like back and forwards and just, oh, I, I really, really personally enjoyed today. If more women desire to connect with you, your magic, your medicine, where will they find you? on
1: instagram (laughs) on instagram i'm emily oriana todd on instagram and if you are a burnt out woman i have a program called burnout academy which we touched on some of the pillars here and the link is in my instagram bio if you are interested
0: amazing i'll pop all of that in the show notes you're the most amazing woman thank you so much for being here with us today thank you so much i had a blast Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness, and secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week, and trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.